So you go to the meat market and you tell the butcher, I want a pound of hamburger. You stop at the gas station on the way home and you want to buy 10 gallons of gas. Maybe you ladies stop at the fabric store and tell the gal that you want a yard of a particular kind of cloth. What's common about all those things that we just mentioned? Well, all the things that we just mentioned involve standards, right? There are certain standards to be applied. Who gets to set the standard anyway? Uh, well, it's not up to me. In other words, when I go to the butcher shop, it's not up to me to say how much is a pound of hamburger. But it's not, it's not up to the storekeeper either to make a determination how much is a pound, how long is a yard, how much is a gallon. Those are absolute standards that have been established and they have been agreed upon. We understand. In fact, we deal with the idea of standards every day. It's a necessary part of life. We have to have standards to live by. Today, we want to apply the concept of standards to the most important area of all, and that has to do with serving God. And so our question for study this morning is this, who gets to set the standards? Who sets the standards when it comes to spiritual matters? When it comes to our religious service, who gets to establish the standards? We'll look at that for just a few minutes and hope that we can be encouraged in the ways of God. Stop here just to say thank you to everyone for being here, especially thanks to our visitors who are present. Thanks for coming our way. We always look forward to these times when we can assemble for worship for several reasons. One reason being is that we, we really do desire to offer our praise and honor and glory and worship to God. Uh, that's very important. We want to do that. And so we look forward to times like this when we can accomplish that. But also we understand that these assembly times are designed by God himself for our benefit as well. And we really believe that that happens. We believe that when we come together with others of like precious faith, that we are built up and encouraged, edified uh, in the most holy things. And that's a good thing too. So th these are great privileges and opportunities to be together. May we never take them for granted. Uh, thanks for being here this morning. We're glad that you're here to be a part of this. All right, so to our question for consideration, who gets to set the standards? Some people mistakenly think that they can set their own standards. Now think about that for a minute. If, if you went back to our illustration about going to the meat market or going to the fabric store, you don't get to set your own standards. In fact, that would make commerce impossible if everybody just set their own standards. You know, So the, so the butcher at the meat market... He, he puts a, 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 a lump of hamburger meat up there on the scale. He says, there you go, there's a pound. I say, hey, listen, that is, that's not a pound in my opinion. Put some more on there because, because that doesn't satisfy me. I'm not satisfied that that's what I want. That's not a pound as far as I'm concerned. That's not a pound. Or the, the gal measures out that yard of cloth and, and you stop her and say, that's not enough. To me, a yard is more than that. It would make buying and selling and trading effectively impossible if it was left up to everybody to form their own opinion about what is what. Now, everybody would agree with what I've just said. In, in matters of retail commerce and so forth, everybody would actually ridicule the idea 
that, that you are able to make your own standards up when it comes to buying and selling. Everybody would say, that's, uh, that's obviously silly, it's impossible, it could never happen. But for some reason, when it comes to religion, this idea is defended. Uh, people are praised who are so open-minded as to say, you establish your standards and I'll have mine and the next guy can have his own. That's considered to be a very noble and open-minded sort of approach when it comes to religion. You, in fact, are the bad guy if you say otherwise. If you don't let everybody just have their own opinions and set up their own religious standards, you are the bad guy if you say that that's not the way it should be. When Brent read for us just a few moments ago from the last chapter of Joshua, uh, we read about how things were at the end of Joshua's life. We remember, of course, that when Moses died, Joshua became the leader of the children of Israel, and, and it was under his guidance and leadership that they went into the Promised Land and conquered it. And things went well during the time that Joshua was leading Israel. Uh, and In fact, this, this statement is a pretty notable one. It came to pass after these things that Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being 110 years old. And Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that overlived Joshua and which had known all the works of the Lord that he had done for Israel. I'll tell you, that's a great statement, isn't it? And it certainly speaks to the effective leadership that Joshua had provided. And Israel was doing well. Things were going well for them because they were submitting to God's rules to his standards. But when Joshua died, and after his memory had pretty much faded away, things didn't go so well. During that subsequent period of the judges, there was constant ups and downs in the history of God's people, Israel. There was one period of oppression after another. The people would be unfaithful to God. He'd allow foreign enemies to come in and oppress them. Things were not so good in Israel after Joshua died. Why was that? Well, I think there's a pretty good summary statement of that in Judges chapter 21, verse 25. In those days there was no king in Israel. Notice, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Oh, wait a minute. Everybody's setting up their own standards. Everybody following their own opinions. They're not sticking with the absolutes of God's law. They're doing what they want. They're doing what they think is right. That didn't work so well for them. They were in constant trouble. And I want to suggest to you that won't work well for us either. It's not up to us to establish our own religious standards. In Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Notice, it seems right. How often when we're talking to people about religious matters these days, do they offer an expression similar to that? Well, it just seems to me, or I think, my opinion is, when they say that, what are they suggesting? Well, they want to set up their own rules. They want to have their own standards, right? It just seems to me. Here in Proverbs 14, verse 12, that way that seems right, not necessarily so. The ends thereof are the ways of death. Jeremiah said it this way in a famous verse, Jeremiah 10, verse 23. O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. And so that idea that we can set up our own standards, that's just way off base, isn't it? It's just wrong. There are others 
who are content to let society set the standards for them. Here we're talking about a word that we often use. We're talking about norms. Sometimes we talk about the societal norms. What's normal in society? Norms are typically established in a society or a culture by what the majority does, uh, what the uh, opinion, what the approval of the majority is, that establishes the norms. And there are a lot of people who are, who are determined to just follow whatever are the norms of society. Now, I want to tell you, if you stop to think about that, if, if in any consideration, if we're just going to follow the societal norms, I want to tell you, that's pretty hard to keep up with. Because societal norms are just constantly changing, right? I, I, I wonder if there were some, some clothing store operators who went out of business uh, back in the 70s and early 80s. Uh, they, they bought up a truckload of bell-bottomed pants because that was, that was the norm back then, you know. And then before they could get those sold, the norm suddenly changed. Now nobody wants bell-bottomed pants. What are we going to do? He goes out of business because he was trying to stay in tune with the norm. That might happen in a clothing store. If, if you want any evidence of that, you kids, go back and ask your parents and maybe especially your grandparents if, if they'll let you look at their old high school yearbooks and look at the fashions that were being worn back then. The norms change, don't they? they societal norms change. It's hard to keep up with it. In a practical sense, it's not very possible to do so. But when it comes to spiritual matters, that's the ultimate failure. When we let societal norms dictate to us what we should believe and think and do religiously. But sad to say, there are a lot of people who do that. Go all the way back to Noah's day in Genesis chapter 6, beginning verse 5. The Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil. Continue. What's the norm? What's the societal norm in Noah's day? Every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That's the way the, the societal norm in Noah's day was just given over completely to immorality. The Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land. Man and animals, creeping things, birds of the heavens. For I am sorry that I have made them, but Noah found grace or found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Here's Noah, who we regard as a great hero, a great godly hero, a great biblical hero. How, how did Noah line up with the societal norms of his day? Not at all, right? Absolutely contrary to what was culturally and societally normal was Noah. We could look at Lot in the city of Sodom. We know this sad story from Genesis chapter 13. Lot chose for himself the, all the valley of the Jordan and Lot journeyed eastward. Lot settled in the cities of the valley and moved his tents as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked exceedingly and sinners against the Lord. What was the societal norm in Sodom? Well, the societal norm in Sodom was exceeding sinfulness. That was the normal. How did that work out for them? How did it work out even for Lot, who was a righteous man, but even though he was there, he suffered tremendously. Following the societal norms and allowing those to be the standards that we pursue, that just doesn't work. 
We know that doesn't work. But how many people are these days content to let society set the standards that they live by? What we need to stress, and I know you knew we were going there, what we need to stress is that the reality is that God is the one who sets the standards. When Moses was offering his farewell message to the children of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning verse 17, you shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes which he has commanded you. You shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord that it may go well with you. God gets to say what is right and good. We need to understand that and we need to appreciate that he has established these rules for our well-being. God gets to say what is right. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, His divine power has granted to us all things, everything we need, all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who's called us to glory and virtue. We're not left to decide for ourselves. We don't have to try to dream it up and imagine or follow the opinions of others or the norms of society. God has revealed to us all things that are necessary. Hosea chapter 14, verse 9 Whoever is wise, let him understand these things. Whoever is discerning, let him know them. Notice, for the ways of the Lord are right, and the upright walk in them, but transgressors stumble in them. By definition, the ways of the Lord are right. He gets to say what's right and what's not. He gets to set the standards. And we need to appreciate that very much. You know, we'd be in a bad shape if we were just left to follow our own opinions Because how many times would you acknowledge that in your own life you were doing something that you thought was right and it turns out to be wrong? You, you, You were following your own opinions and guidance and it didn't get you where you wanted to be. What about just following society? Well, we know, that, as we said earlier, you just can't hardly keep up with societal norms. About the time you're set in and doing one thing they'll change and tell you to do something different that doesn't work god gets to set the standards now in in conjunction with that let's make just a couple of other observations concerning god's absolute standards we need to realize that even if we fail to believe the truth that he tells us it doesn't keep it from being true so here i am I'm reading the Bible myself, or maybe somebody else is trying to teach me the Bible. And and when we come across something that that I don't like, maybe something that condemns a practice I'm currently engaged in or uh, some conduct that I I typically do, or maybe even a a, a relationship that I'm in, and I don't like that. what, what What you've just told me or what I've just read in the Bible is something that just crosses up with what my conduct is and so i say i refuse to believe that i just simply won't accept that you're saying that the marriage i'm in is not a scriptural marriage are you saying that i would have to leave this wife because i don't have a right to be married i don't i I just won't accept that i refuse to believe that that is so well if i refuse to believe it does it make it not true Certainly, I I have a free choice. God has granted me a free choice. He's made me a free moral agent. I can decide for myself what I'm going to do. But my rejection of what God's standard says on any matter, on marriage, divorce, and remarriage, or anything else, my rejection of what God says doesn't change the fact that it's still the truth of God. In Jesus' case, 
I think this is stunning. It says, but though he had done so many miracles, he had done so many miracles before them. If you had witnessed the miracles that Jesus performed, amazing miracles that he performed, you would think that anybody who saw the miracles that Jesus did would believe that he was the only begotten Son of God, yet they believed not on him. How could they do that? How could they be so blind to the what's true and right. Jesus is the only begotten Son of God. He did miracles confirming His identity. And yet they still refused to believe it. Did it make it any less true? Was it any less true that Jesus was the only begotten Son of God because these guys were so blinded by their hatred and prejudice that they wouldn't even believe it when they saw the miracles firsthand? Did it change who Jesus was? No, the truth was still the truth. Even though they didn't believe it, it was still a fact of the matter that Jesus was God's only begotten Son. And Jesus said concerning that in John 8, verse 24, I said therefore unto you that you shall die in your sins. If you believe not that I am He, you shall die in their sins. What happened to those people who saw the miracles Jesus did and yet refused to believe? What happened to them? They died in their sins, right? The fact that they refused the truth didn't change the truth. And I want to suggest to you that that's the same for us. God sets the standard. What He says is true and right. And whether we believe it and accept it and follow it or not, it's still so. And we will be judged by it. Let's add this as well. Concerning God's standards and His revealed truth, believing something false. In other words, we've got the body of truth that God has revealed to us. But if I decide to believe something else, that doesn't make it so. Uh, lots, lots of people are in the religious world teaching things that are not so. And sadly, there are a lot of people following those false teachers. Who I think are sincerely following people who are not teaching the truth of God. And so they're believing something false. But just because they believe it, it's still false. It doesn't change that to being true. You can, if you believe something false, it doesn't necessarily make it true. The classic example of this is one that we've used lots of times. It has to do with Jacob. You remember who had his favored son Joseph. Joseph's brothers envied him with jealousy, and so they sold him into slavery. But they led their father to believe that he'd been killed by a beast in the field. You remember that story very well, I'm sure. In Genesis 37, verse 32, they sent the coat of many colors. This was the special coat that Jacob had given to Joseph. They sent the coat of many colors and they brought it to their father and said, This have we found. Know now whether it be thy son's coat or no. And he knew it and said, It is my son's coat. An evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. And Jacob rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his loins and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. And he said, I will go down into the grave unto my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. How sincerely did Jacob believe that Joseph was dead? I've, how, how could words express any greater sincerity on his part, right? This is very clear. He sincerely believed that Joseph was dead, that he'd been killed by a beast in the field. Of course, those evil brothers let him believe that lie, but he believed it. He, he sincerely believed it as being so. Did it make it so? Absolutely not. His belief of that which was false did not make it true. 
Now, understand, our point is just because you sincerely believe something doesn't make it true. I'm satisfied that there are a lot of, of our religious friends out there who have heard false teaching from various sources, and they believe it. They sincerely believe it. But I want to tell you, that doesn't make it so, right? In Acts chapter 26, this is right in the immediate context where we're studying in our Wednesday night class on Acts. And notice how the Apostle Paul described himself. Here he's making a defense. He's explaining his former life. Remember, we remember, of course, he was a terrible persecutor of Christians before he was converted. But notice what he says about that time in his life, before he was a Christian. While he was busy persecuting Christians, he wasn't a Christian, he was going to persecute Christians. What does he say about himself? I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priest, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in all the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme. And in raging fury against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. Man, Paul, why were you doing that? Why were you being so aggressive in persecuting Christians? I myself was convinced that I ought to do these things. He really believed it. He believed it was the right thing. He wasn't doing it just out of personal meanness. He thought it's what he should do. He says, I thought that I ought to do many things contrary and opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. He thought he was doing the will of God. He was convinced it was right. It was a lie. It was wrong. It wasn't true. It was false. But he sincerely believed it. And yet it was still wrong. So God gets to set the standards. If I don't believe it, it's still his standard. If I believe something else, it doesn't change the standard. Finally, we observe that accepting the truth, God's truth, is essential to our eternal salvation. It's God's prerogative to set the standards. That's the answer to our question. Our question up here is who gets to set the standards? And the answer is God does. It's it's up to Him. He's the one who has that right and privilege. He's our sovereign God. He gets to say what is right. It's our job to believe and obey. In John chapter 8, verse 32, Jesus said, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. There's not a lot of truths out there. There's not a lot of different kinds of truths. There is the singular truth of God. There is the truth. And we have got to believe that. That truth of God is revealed in His Word. Jesus prayed in John 17, 17, Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is true. So there's, there's this body of truth out there, and we, and we have to know it. That's what will set us free spiritually. That's what will assure an eternal salvation. Where do we find that truth, that singular truth? Thy word is truth. God has revealed it. He gets to set the rules. He's told us what He wants. It's our job to believe and obey. And if we don't, then this description would be fitting to us. In 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 10, they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. You've got to love the truth if you want to be saved. That's pretty plain, isn't it? I don't know really how to make it any plainer than that. Accepting God's revealed truth is essential to our eternal salvation. So, when you go to the meat market, you, you don't get to tell the butcher how much constitutes a pound. There's a standard. When you go to the fabric store, ladies, you don't get to tell the person cutting the cloth 
what constitutes a yard. There's a standard. It's accepted. It's agreed upon. When you go to the gas station, hopefully, I, I sometimes wonder about it. Do you think they could be playing with those gas pumps and, and changing them a little bit so that they said, I got 10 gallons, but I only actually got nine and a half? But did you know that there are people who go around and check on that? You know, Those pumps are supposed to be inspected on a regular basis to, to verify that when you say you're getting 10 gallons, when it says you're getting 10 gallons, you're really getting 10 gallons. Standards, so necessary in life. The most important standards of all are the standards that God has set forth in His Word to regulate our spiritual lives and lead us toward an eternal home in heaven. Have you submitted to God's standards? That's the question this morning. You need to be right with Him. If you're not a Christian yet, you need to obey that simple plan of salvation that He has set forth in His Word. Hear the truth. Believe it. Repent of your sins. Confess your faith in Jesus. Be baptized for the remission of sins. If you've not done that, we hope you make that decision without delay. If you're a Christian already, but you've not been living faithfully, we beg you to come back in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help, let us know while we stand and sing this song.